welcome to the Spiritual and Empowerment Living with Tia podcast, a sacred place and resource for spiritually centered women who want to go from the mundane to the magical life for overcoming fear and doubt, reconnecting with the goddess, understanding messages from spirit, and uncovering your spiritual gifts so you can finally live the life you deserve. Hello and welcome, spiritual trailblazers. I am very excited for this episode. This is a long time coming. It's something I love to do. So may this episode provide uh, a resource for you for uh, Witchy TV and more. So I welcome you to this episode, Witchy TV Talk with Henri Metivier. Henri helps his clients to step through doors that were never locked. He works with successful leaders looking to freely go further than they currently believe possible. Henri coaches around exquisite clarity, connecting vision to emotion, logic, and intuition so that his clients can live a life of purpose, direction, and achievement. Henri clients live their lives without cages. Currently, Henri runs his business through having powerful conversations, one referral at a time. You can find him on Clubhouse and now attach his uh, his handle at uh, Clubhouse. You can DM him. And of course, contact him on Instagram at Henri, E-M-I-L-E-04. And again, I will put that in the description as well. And welcome, Henri. Hi, thanks. How's it going? Good, good, man. It's um, it's going. <laughs> uh, so, witchy TV talk. Um, my gosh, there's so many we can talk about, and I know we we went through a, a filtering process. So I'm so happy that we're going to be covering uh, these TV shows. So let's let's dive right into it. Awesome. Sounds so great. the awesome. So the first one we have up is. Lost Girl, and per IMDb, it's uh, the character Bo is a supernatural being who challenges her clan's way of life, which I think is um, it's deeper than that, but I see where they're going. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Definitely not exactly that. So, and, 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 well, I remember when I watched Lost Girl, um, I think it was just like three seasons. And I remember being so heartbroken because I didn't realize that it was coming to an end. So for those who are listening, it's actually a Canadian show. And you are in Canada and I'm in the States. I remember we were always a season behind. Mm-hmm. And it just it just hit me like a, a ton of bricks. So uh, how did you uh, first come across Lost Girl? And what were some of the things that really attracted you to you know watching this show yeah I think I first saw it when it was on I think season one was on Netflix and of course Mm -hmm. like you said it was a season they were already in season two by the time season one came out um and then the sci-fi their streaming platform the sci-fi channel here I think had the next season so it was I could watch it a little bit more real time um but I had first discovered it on Netflix and I think within the first episode one of the things that I love about this story is that it was a story where she basically was challenging the status quo and saying, I don't care about the rules that you've established. 
just because you say them when there's no real reason why they exist other than to exist. Or it's based off of some past BS, you know, that we've been dealing with for centuries and I don't care about all of that. That's not my burden. Right. Yeah. So there's the, the light fae and a dark fae. And then there's Bo who's in between. She's she just said, you know, I'm not pledging allegiance to either. I'm doing my own thing. And, and I think that's one of the biggest takeaways is that that's part of the reason why she's lost <laughs> is because she doesn't have a, a, an exact clan. She's just she's Bo. Exactly. And so she's kind of stuck in the middle of this this, again, like I said, this war essentially between the, the light fae and the dark fae. And because she's kind of that neutral party, both of those sides use her. They use her to their advantage to hurt the other side. And sometimes she knows it and sometimes she doesn't. Um, which, so I find that that was obviously a really interesting way to kind of keep the drama alive throughout the entire <laughs> show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, what I really loved truly was that she just disrupted the whole thing and she said I'm not going to do it this way um the the one thing that I will say that I guess I would have loved to see more of was more Faye coming into their own choosing the same thing you didn't actually see that all you saw is she was the lone ranger you know shaking up the status quo but no one else ever really truly joined her they were still always their you know typical allegiances even if you know, some of the characters went to, quote unquote, the dark side in, a, you know, in certain episodes or something where they did things that were really heinous for the greater good. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I would have loved to have seen more of that. Yeah. And one thing, uh, speaking of seeing more of is uh, I, I would have loved to see how certain things would have played out if, um more people were in the in-between, neither light fae nor dark fae, because it seemed like some people didn't want to be a part of that. And to uh, the main character, Bo's uh, growth, is that she was a succubus. She, you know, dated who she wanted to date, and she had to constantly stand her ground. So, I mean, we see this even in our, our real lives where we're constantly have to stand our ground. We constantly have to, you know, say, this is what works for me. It may not work for you, but that's okay. So I, I just think that this show has so many dynamics now that we can see still apply to today. Yeah, and I think what was really interesting, I mean, well, this one very, very much in particular um, is this idea of, you know, your loyalty pledge. Mm -hmm. You know, and basically what happens when you pledge yourself to light or dark is you literally say the leader of the light fae can do whatever they want, basically to me, and I'm not going to push back because I'm pledging, un, you know, unyielding loyalty no matter what. Um, mm -hmm. And again, she basically was like, no, nah, not doing that. <laughs> um, and the, I mean, there's a lot of parallels in today's world, you know, with you know, in the last four years in the United States, obviously, there was that dynamic. Um, and there weren't any, there wasn't anybody who really, truly seemed to push against that in a way that was successful. Um, and so obviously, you know, I love shows that always draw parallels to real life, because I feel like that's also, I think, from the other shows that we're going to discuss, it's like this idea of having a show that is fantasy and fantastical and it's got magic and it's got 
all of those things, but then there's still a kernel of realism in there. And that's what grounds it for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and the last girl did a really good job of doing that. Yeah. And I think they also did a good job with incorporating certain things like Krampus with, um, it was um, not music, but the, the, the little bit of sound magic, the one character, mm -hmm. he used his voice and things like this. So I think they did a good job of that. And there was even one episode that sticks out in my mind because I believe this to some extent is this, this one kid, he was a football player and they were trying to figure out why people in the stadiums, uh, like en energy were getting drained. And this one kid just so happened to heal faster. He was stronger. He was bigger than the other kids on the football team. And what they realized was that he was a descendant of Hercules. So I'm thinking, I wonder how this could play out in, in our real world world where we see people who just have these extraordinary, you know, gifts, whatever the case may be, whether they are mathematicians and they could just solve these crazy equations or, you know, they're athletically gifted. So I, I just thought that was another thing that was pretty cool about uh, this show. Yeah, I love that. And I, I do think that, though, unfortunately, they didn't explore that as much as they could have. Mm -hmm. uh, to your point earlier, the show definitely got abruptly canceled. I mean, I will say that I can't remember which season it was, but that whole thing where Bo disappeared and was on this weird train. Yeah. That whole story, I 100% didn't follow that at all. I had no no freaking clue what was going on there. Um and so I do wonder if that they kind of lost the thread a little because yeah. there was still so much left that they never truly explored. Um, mm -hmm. There's so many things that they still never answered, which was really, you know, Bo, what she was looking for, and they kind of answered it for her, but it was really, who, who am I really? Mm. And I still don't really know that they fully answered that. And it, obviously that's an existential question that we always all ask is like, who are we really? You know, am mm. I light bay or dark bay? And of course she still said it, you know, she's like, I'm both. I'm, you know, I have light and I have dark in me. And that's obviously all human beings, right? Yin and yang, all of that. Um, but I still don't feel like there was a satisfying way that that show ended. It did feel very abrupt. Yeah. And I, like I was saying earlier, I had no clue, but you know, you start to notice certain people dying and he's like, okay, wait a minute now. <laughs> I was sitting yes. on my couch feeling like someone abandoned me. Like, right. Just... <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Cause, oh, they, cause the, the, um, hail, right. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the guy with the voice. Yeah. He, all of a sudden, you know, there was something yeah. that happened to him and you were like, wait, what? <laughs> right yes that guy wasn't prepared I wasn't ready <laughs> right exactly and then there was the whole thing with Kenzie where it was just like wait a minute hold on like all of a sudden we're going to like her best friend in the entire world there's going to be so, so there's just a lot of weird splintering that I feel like really they tried to wrap it all up in that last season knowing that they mm -hmm. were canceling but it's still it never really wrapped up I think well Right. And I'm with you with, with Bo on a train. I, I didn't quite understand that, but yeah. <laughs> like they were they betrothed or there was some mark or right. I don't even know. It was like, okay, what the hell's going on here? Right. Some weird time warp thing. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> craziness, craziness. So what would you say would be your, and I know it's probably a lot because it is for me, your biggest takeaway from Lost Girl? The biggest takeaway I would say is that people have the power, people have the power to choose their own path. Mm. And so it's really a matter of 
choosing, choosing a path while also knowing that that path can change at any time. You are always in control of your ability to go back and forth. And so, of course, I'm not necessarily advocating for, you know, well, today I choose to be good and tomorrow I choose to be evil, you know, or dark fae or light fae. It's more or less just you have the power to choose your own path and that path will, is not binary. It's not, okay, if I choose this one path, it's the same thing that I'm gonna have to do forever. And, and certainly Bo didn't do that. There were times where it was like she gave into her darker angels and there were other times where she gave into the, you know, the lighter side. Um, and when she went too far down one path, she was like, where did I go? You know, and she took a step back and, and would drastically change because then she realized how imbalanced she had become. And, and that's, I just feel like we have the power to do that in our lives too. Absolutely. Yes. That's, that, that's how it, it was for me too. I love that. Really, she was unapologetic about herself. I know in the beginning, you know, she ran away and, and things like that because uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. She was still trying to get to used to her powers and she was inadvertently hurting people. But I like that she never slowed down about being who she is. And and I think that's one of the one of the I want to say role model in, in a certain sense, or that's something that, that we can take from a, a fictional character and apply it today is that hey look you can be yourself and you can find your group of people because that's what ended up happening she has her best friend she has the um the guy who's really the blood king who's undercover you know like so she she finds her tribe and I always thought also this is a sidebar that that bar was pretty cool I'm like how cool would it be to go to a bar with a bunch of you know like witches and stuff and you guys yes. are cool <laughs> yeah that's where you can go and you're immediately like whatever you know comes out of my mouth is not going to be weird no one's going right. to look at me like what crystals you'd be like yeah everybody's <laughs> like oh tell me more <laughs> you know right yeah exactly some random person comes to sit down and talk exactly so those so i guess that's actually two takeaways for me i like that while she, yeah, she had character development, but at the core, she was always herself. And two, it's just, I, I would like to go to a a, a, a witchy for a bar. <laughs> Absolutely. So that leads us, speaking of uh, witchy stuff, Sabrina, and this is the chilling adventures of Sabrina. And I'm glad that we uh, had talked about that because I definitely had in my mind chilling adventures, um, but definitely we can have a an episode where we can compare and contrast the the good and happy <laughs> Sabrina of the 90s my childhood Sabrina and then this chilling adventures so yeah yeah because I mean for me I was like oh where you know which one where do you want to go and I mean I think I personally really love the chilling adventures mm-hmm. um I thought it was really well done again another thing where I was extremely sad that it was coming to an end kind of abruptly because it still felt like it had so much more to do. I mean, Ravenwood, or not Ravenwood, what's that show based on Veronica and Archie? Oh, um, oh gosh, I'm taking my Riverdale. Time. Riverdale. Oh, like Riverdale. <laughs> so that's within the same universe, and Riverdale is still going, and that show is tr- arguably not that great. Um, <laughs> so I was definitely disappointed, but I absolutely, I thought this was such a fun, fresh take um, on, you know, they, they, it was a complete opposite, obviously, is where, you know, the last, especially in the last season, they kind of pointed this out, but the original show was all just comedy mm-hmm. and, you know, silly and ridiculous. I mean, the, granted, this was ridiculous too, 
but this actually brought in this this show brought in a lot more elements of actual witchcraft, you know, um, real ancient folklore. It brought in the ideas of, you know, subservience to you know the crown, and women are subservient to the men, and men hold all the power in these positions, and then it broke that. And that's what I, I mean, personally, that's what I love the most about it um, was, was that it was a show about women taking their power back and saying, no, no, this isn't okay. Yes, I love that even at a young age, she, she was just saying, I'm not signing a book, I'm doing my own thing. And I love that this came out during this time, because I just feel like this is a great time for this. You know, so many more people are being um, on the forefront of expressing their spirituality, whether they're into a cult or witchcraft, whatever the case may be. So I, I just think this is just such a great show where it can pique your interest to other things. Of course, there are some things that aren't exactly accurate, but at least it entertains the thought and then it triggers people or trigger probably isn't a good word, but it it causes people to dig a little deeper, like, oh, huh, they mentioned that. Let me look that up. So I think that's one of the the great things about this show is that it just it creates a spark of interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think another thing that I really loved is that, you know, like you said, she was like, I'm not signing that book. And she really made those choices. But that continued in so many other areas of the show where the other women were, you know, the other witches were more, they were sexually liberated and mm-hmm. they could choose whatever path they wanted to go down, um, which I think is always very important. And, you know, we look back through history about witchcraft and Salem witch trials and all those things. And really what it really came down to was that anytime any kind of woman amassed any kind of power, they would use that label as a witch in order to prosecute her, mm-hmm. in order to burn her at the stake. And so in this case, it was completely flipped on its head where it was like, no, we, we are powerful. I mean, like, you know, looking at um, Aunt Z, she was just as powerful and everybody knew it as, you know, the high priest. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet she, she still had to be subservient. Whenever he pulled rank, she had to be subservient and she couldn't still had no faculties truly over where her life went in the sense of that, you know, I guess organization for lack of a better word, that church of night. Um, right. And so I just love that they were able to really explore that and just spit in the eye of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how I was just like, yeah, when uh, I was it aunt, uh, I'm trying to think which aunt it was who called on goddess Hecate. I was like, yeah, yes, oh my yes. God. I felt like, I don't know, when when you see your football team score a touchdown, you're like, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I was, I was getting all emotional because it was such an amazing riveting speech. It was just like, it mm-hmm. pulled in all the energy of female power that is oftentimes, you know, people try to push that to the side. And it was just so beautiful where she was just full on completely rejecting this idea of the patriarchy um, and just called down, you know, to the oldest of powers, you know, because even in the show, they were like, Hecate was was predating uh, Lucifer. And so she was far more powerful than he was. She was she was a goddess. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was just it was just such a beautiful moment um, for them to take that back. Absolutely. And another thing I enjoy about this uh, show, which I think it's, um, which makes it so much more important is that 
each character has its own dynamic that really works well with other characters. So, you know, when, when we talk about Lost Girl, Bo was just such a strong character that in ways she overshadowed the other characters. And maybe that's what the way the, the writers wanted it uh, to be. But with this, I mean, when you think of like Roz, you know, she's she's dealing with, with her, you know, visions and things like that. And then when she finds out more about herself later, I just love how each character pushes through something that they think is holding them back and then they get to be their true selves. And a bonus, their friends are cool with it. You know, th- there isn't this uh, aspect where someone doesn't feel like they don't belong. It's more like they found where they belong and it works for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, the last season was so powerful in that way too. Um, uh, yeah, just such, such a good point. And they definitely... Um, every single, I mean, we're talking even down to the weird sisters, you know, like, um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but the weird sisters even had their own idiosyncrasies and their own personalities and all of the things and they, you know, they were allowed to express themselves fully, even if it wasn't something that someone agreed with, but it was still allowed to do that. And then you had, you know, you had Theo and you had Ross and you had all of these different stories that just came together so beautifully as, not just supports, but they were all individuals within the show as well, rather than it just fo- solely focusing on Sabrina. Because even in the original Sabrina, which again, I know we'll talk about potentially more at a later date, or you will, you know, it was very much a, okay, the whole thing was just Sabrina and, Aunt, you know, Zelda and Harvey and everybody were just, you know, background characters for the most part. Um, or at least that's how I saw it back in, you know, back when I was a child, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cause it was a long time ago, but yeah, this show was just the complete opposition of that. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like Sab- the Sabrina in this one definitely takes a little bit of a backseat at times, but when she shows up, she really shows up, but yeah, characters in, in this show definitely have room to grow where you can actually get to know them and like them and, and identify with them in some fashion. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sad that it's over, but hopefully HBO will pick it up. <laughs> oh, is that a rumor? I read somewhere that they, it might get picked up because I'm I'm not going to spoil it for anyone because I know it's fresh. But the way it ended was like they can they can work with that ending. Um, so yeah, the rumor was that like hopefully HBO will pick it up um, because I mean it has a great following. I I think that Netflix just probably has a certain amount of new shows they want to get out and they rotate certain things out. I have no clue, but I read that there's a chance it could get picked up. That would be amazing. Um, I also was reading too that because Riverdale is owned by the CW, mm-hmm. that it just creates a whole logistic. I mean, I think that's part of it too with, you know, with Netflix is that there's a challenge mm-hmm. where Netflix will pick up the rights to, to one thing, but the entire, you know, scope mm. of that one thing is owned by either one or two more networks. You know, it. So where it was like the Marvel shows, you know, right. all of those got canceled when Disney bought all the rights to Marvel, even though they had licensed it. You know what I mean? So all of right. those shows got canceled. I just think it's probably a very similar thing, but oh, I will pray for HBO Max to pick it up. Yes. And also side note, with, with with the shows that had people, especially in high school, I'm like, where were the cute people like that when I was in high school? <laughs> it's just so funny when I look at this. I'm like, 
Oh God, what was the the one character's name? Like, um, uh, excuse me. That's the one thing that cracks me up with with the um the different universe. And like, where are these people? <laughs> yes. Yes. And who was the one that you were? Um. Oh my gosh, what is his name? I'm on uh IMDb. Gosh, what? Gosh, what? What? You talking character? about the cousin? Uh, the cousin's cute, but uh oh oh uh Gavin Leatherwood. He plays Nicholas oh, Scratch. Oh yeah, Nicholas Scratch. Yeah, a cutie. Yeah, those I'm like, did not exist in high school. We, no, we were all pimply faced and right <laughs> and skinny, or you had like five of the jocks that might have looked sort of like him, maybe, <laughs> but not even close. <laughs> maybe I just had to put that side note in there because I'm seeing a theme here, especially with the next show we're going to talk about. I'm like, where were these people when I was in school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Prudence. She was, she's absolutely gorgeous. Tati Gabrielle, she's just- Yes, makeup flawless. And she does her own hair. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. I'm like, what? Yep. Man, I don't know. I I need to be in some (laughs) fictional universe. (laughs) Yeah, they've got a a level of thirst trap that does not exist in reality. (laughs) Exactly. So that that leads us to Motherland. And I recently discovered this because uh, it's on Hulu. And I thought that it was on maybe um, a, a, like a different uh, network. But uh, I really like this show. I think it's so fresh. It has a different perspective on witchcraft. And then it combines defense. Uh, so what, what are some of your thoughts about Motherland? I... Oh, I love it so, I love it so, so much. It was, it immediately hooked me mm-hmm. because I, it immediately kind of draws you in. You're like, wait, what? Because I mean, I didn't re- I saw the trailer, but I still didn't really fully understand what the premise mm-hmm. was because it flips our history in the United States on its head. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really fully understand it, but then you're immediately just like the, the way that the show starts, it's like a balloon pops and everybody and their mother in a mall dies. Like, yeah. You know, so, and you're just like, wait, what the heck just happened? Right. Um, and so it's just a fresh, it's just such a fresh take. And then that fresh take also comes with its own challenges because it's like, you know, everything comes with a cost, whether that is a good or a bad cost, everything comes with a cost. And so part of what we see in Motherland, you know, um, is they made a deal instead of all being burned at the stake. They made a deal to basically become the soldiers of the United States. And so that still has a cost because now basically instead of getting killed, they're, they're living essentially in bondage because it's like you are literally, cons- if you are a witch, you are conscript- conscripted to the army, period, end of story. And so it's just interesting that that's part of the cost. And that's you know obviously part of what the show is exploring, which I find extremely fascinating is this idea of just like you know when do you fully ever get to own your power and your own freedom Mm. and what does that even look like yes yes and then it's do you follow your inner voice or what other people tell you because it was the one um what's her name i think it's the main character where her mom didn't want her to answer the call so the, the call is basically the call that the witches get and it's like this medallion that spins in the air. It's like you got to grab it or something like that. And then basically you get sent to their training camp. And uh, for, for some people, you know, like with 
war and anything else, you, you lose people. And there's that that um, one side of the coin of don't do it because as Henri was just saying, you know, you won't really have full control of your powers because now you have to do this. Or it's you do that and you actually do get to train and use your powers even though you had to be in the military. So it's, it's a very... Like, like I was saying earlier, just it's, it's a fresh take on it about, you know, just following, again, that voice. But also, it's talking about filling the, the, the bigger shoes of someone else. For example, the one character, uh, where is she? Uh, Abigail, the, the Bellwethers. So her, her mom was this, this big, you know, she was a, a heroine. She did great things. And now she has to live up to that. So it, it's just so many things, so multi-layered. And that's what I love about it, too. And, of course, dating. And, of course, there's a few holidays that, that pop mm-hmm. up that they celebrate. Beltane. So I thought that was great. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't hear you. I was going to say Beltane. Yeah. What I love about that is it's like what it's looking at is, again, Similar to Lost Girl, it's bringing in, and even even Sabrina, even though Sabrina didn't quite go as deep, but it was bringing back some of the actual things within paganism. And and so I found that that was really interesting. So Beltane is a sex holiday, and they're using it as a way to give power, you know, to take power from sexuality and free expression of that sexuality, which is obviously, you know, clearly what I've said so far is right up my alley. Um, what I also find really interesting too is that there's also still this this kind of like schism in between the um, in between the types of witches who get to go on and be successful and get to you know be a part of the world because what happens is is you either graduate from your witch school from Fort Salem, which is essentially your witch high school, and if you don't graduate to go on to witch college, they send you to the front lines. And so obviously being sent to the front lines increases your chances of just being cannon fodder for the cause. Um, and so I find that that's so interesting too, because, you know, it's, it starts to get into this idea of, of worth and what does that actually mean? And why is it acceptable to, to do this all for the sake of, of some ancient pact that was made that isn't even relevant in today's times? And that's a great point because <clears throat> along this path, there are a lot of uh, traditions or at least parts of the traditions that do not apply now or probably shouldn't apply <laughs> at all. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to, to see that taken and for people to think about how that's impactful of, you know, looking at a witch or like I said, another spiritual inclined person thinking, oh, they're so much more advanced than me. You know, oh, they're definitely going to go into that college or do this. I don't know. I'm not that strong. I'm not that powerful. What really is just finding your power, you know, so it's, it was very interesting how they had to practice in different ways and still having to deal with that. Yeah, especially for Raelle, you know, she, everybody looks at, oh, you're just a, you know, you're a healer's daughter. Mm-hmm. But actually what's turning out is that she's actually extremely powerful, mm-hmm. um, but she doesn't know it. And so it also, and, and I also find that that, you know, is kind of a reflection of real life. Sometimes we don't recognize our own power. And so there are bits and spurts throughout our lives where we have, you know, moments of true greatness where we're like, holy shit, 
And then all of a sudden we retract because we, you know, we push too far outside of the limits that somebody else has defined for us. Um, because again, they keep just saying, oh, you're just a healer's daughter. And then on top of that, they're like, oh, you know, she's got some down south bootleg type of healing, you know, powers that she channels because of her mother, because her mother, you know, they're, I guess they were Southern or something like that, but just like some backwoods type of healing uh, modality. And again, it's all they're, what they're trying to do is just to define her, just like they're trying to define Abigail. Abigail has to live up to this, you know, tradition of all these um, bellwether witches who have all been, you know, 10 out of 10 for centuries. And, you know, so it's just so interesting. And then you have Callie who's, no one's really expecting anything from her, mm-hmm. but it's clear that she's incredibly brave and has an extremely big heart. Um, so I just love that all these things, and Anacostia, you know, basically she's the auntie of everybody. And she's the one who's just, you are the faithful good soldier. And there's nothing more that you are like you're a powerful witch, but you're just a good shoulder. You do what you're told. And even she's, you know, starting to kind of lean into the edges of what that might mean. And I just, yeah, I cannot, uh, season two cannot come fast enough. Um, I've, um, mm. I've literally been on their Instagram asking about season two. Seriously, I, I got Hulu because of this. Um, so I'm guessing I might have seen the ad on Instagram. I don't know. But uh, yeah, to to uh, to your point, they are questioning their limits. And I think Tali has probably had the most, or I guess maybe the quickest growth. Because I was rooting for her. And when she was stepping up and doing these things I was like okay yeah she was she was really making her voice heard Mm -hmm. so that's what I I love and even when um uh the one I guess uh, she was a general or she was the the dean of students in one school excuse me that uh, Abigail Bellwether was going to apply to and she basically just brushed her off and said oh you're a bellwether you'll get into this with your eyes closed and Mm -hmm. now she's questioning her purpose so I, it's just, oh, this, this show is just so great. Like this should be shown in high schools. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then you even have, you know, you have general, general Adler who mm. everybody's misunderstanding because they're, they're, they're seeing her, her actions as very, very cut and dry, very black and white. And then, you know, there's some very powerful scenes where she's like, do you understand, like she talks about the cost. Do you understand what the cost is and what, you know, the pressure and the, 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 what I am trying to hold on my shoulders. Do you understand all the intricacies? Because, you know, they, they make some decisions that are arguably immature, even if they are guided by, you know, what's kind of right and wrong, but they're not understanding the bigger picture of what's really happening because they don't know because they're also still children. They're also, right. you know, I mean, they're actually, they're all above 18, Um even because this is like a weird high school, you know, your high school goes for a couple of years and then you go to college, you know, and so it's a little bit later of a timeline, but they're all technically adults, but they still don't know everything. They're still learning to come into their power and all the intricacies of the world they live in. And so General Adler is just like, do you know and understand what I am holding up, how I protect all of you, all of us, you know, and so it was just a really nice scene for the, where they just really had a, uh, you know, a really straight talk type of moment. And so I'm really curious to see where that goes in season two. Yeah, I, I appreciate that because 
she has seen so much and it's like how can you explain seeing what she has saw to someone who is year one you know and and they're questioning her because they're looking at what she's doing which again like you were saying they were a bit questionable like okay wait a minute you're you're doing some you're walking a fine line here lady but when, when she explains it they kind of get it but you can still see that they're uneven about it and that's a good uh scene because it's showing that we don't have to agree with everything 100% but we can be at some point where we can just go okay and let's get this done or okay I, I'm starting to get you a little bit so I think that was really cool yeah and I think it's also too it's like some of the things that General Adler has done it, it, it I, I mean there's kind of a through line between all three all of these shows where it's like you know, this idea of good and bad being completely binary and one-sided, where really we live in an area of gray in our society more and more mm-hmm. these days. And so the things that she's doing, you know, she's making the heart, like, it's clear that General Adler feels it. Like, it's not like she's out here doing things that are morally questionable and she doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't land in her body. No, she's like, I know what I'm doing is wrong. I is the only choice because the alternative is something, you know, is, is whatever, you know, bad could come out of that. So, but she's still, she's been the one that's been in charge for, you know, whatever, 250 years or something because Mm -hmm. of the pact that she originally made. So this is an entire construct that came from her. So she's also the one who had to watch leading up till that pact where she watched all of her sisters die. You know what right. I mean? So she has that reference that none of them could ever have because they didn't, they never lived in that world. It's like talking to a veteran who has been, who has been to war and then trying to talk to a civilian. The civilian doesn't understand it because they could, they could never. And it's not to say, you know, that they should, they should never understand it, but they just can't, they never could. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's so layered and nuanced. And I love that it goes everywhere with sexuality being very fluid mm-hmm. as a little kind of aside, but it's just, there's so many layers to every single one of these choices that every single one of these people make. No, absolutely. And, and I, I love that as well, because that's what's needed. That's society, like that's the real society, you know, like this is what's going on. Everyone is not going to like exactly the same thing. So I love that they really embrace sexuality. Like one time Abigail walked up to this guy. She's like, I need you for like 10 minutes because she needed his energy. And I was just like, go ahead, girl. She said what she wanted. He was like, okay. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> she just walked oh, right up to him. I love Abigail's character for that because she's just so liberated, you know. Right. And it's so interesting because it's like, and what I do love is it's almost like this, it's not really made in Mother Crone quite, but it's like mm-hmm. Abigail, Tally, and Rael. Like you have, you know, Abigail who's super experienced. So arguably, she she I guess actually it could be made in Mother Crone. She's the crone, right? And then you have um, the mother, which is Rael, who is not inexperienced and has has lived a life, but she's still repressed or still dealing with a lot of things and and still really questioning who she even is, mm-hmm. and you know because her mind is twisted in a in, in a way. And then you have the, um, the maiden who is Tally, who is completely innocent in all ways. You know, she entered which college, a virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
you have those, each one of those people kind of guiding the other. And, you know, Abigail's still learning from Tally. Tally is still teaching Rael. Rael is still teaching Tally. And I just, I love it so much. And, and they really help each other. Like they were rooting for Tally. And, and then when, uh, who was it? Was it Rael? Where she said, oh, here's my girlfriend. They were like, oh my God, you got a girlfriend? Tell yeah. us about it. I love that sisterhood. So yeah. I, I just, it's such a fresh take. I love it. Yes, it's so good. And I think too, even on the sisterhood part, it's like Abigail up until basically the whole, through the whole season basically hated Rael because she was a threat to her standing within her family, you know, within the family. And as we said, like there's this, this mantle that she has been saddled with where she has to hold it up or she's a failure, she's a shame, she's all this. And so Rael is someone who's like, you know, again, even in the mother, she's the middle ground, she's more immature. So she's like, I'm gonna do what I want. And so they were hating on each other pretty much most of the season. But at the end of the day, they still showed up as a unit because they knew that that's what they had to do to get through. Like they would, they were able to set aside their differences and their disagreements in order to come through for the greater purpose here. Um, and it just, yeah, I, I love that. There's, uh, it's just, I can't gush about it more. Out of all of these shows, this is probably the show that I've been most excited for in years. Yeah, same. That, that, that's why I'm all in, in their, their Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had, them, I've had um, Taylor Hicks and um, Jessica Sutton respond to me um in instagram and i was like oh my god oh <laughs> my goodness me to her directly <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome um, yeah so i was super fanboyed on them um so it was just yeah it, i absolutely i stalk their instagram all the time every time they're like season two it's like okay can you give us something more it's been a <laughs> long time it's been months like right did this, did this launch oh it did launch right in the beginning of covid i forgot Oh, wow. Beginning, yeah, it was March 18th is the first Oh, episode. I see. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, okay, so it feels like it's been 100 years because it has been 100 years. Because it has been. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I get that. But, yeah, I just, it's, you know, it's been almost a year. Yeah. It's been a long time because, you know, in the last episode, um, I, the last episode of the season, I think, was in either late June, you know, so it's been basically mm-hmm. going on eight, nine months. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that we can get some kind of update soon. Oh wait, yeah. no, the last episode was in May, so it's been even longer. Oh man, well it definitely definitely feels like a hundred years. And yes. speaking of a hundred years, a discovery of witches. Um, you know, because season two they went to a um, mm-hmm. different time. So <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Dot dot dot. Um, this is also, it's like, it's not as fresh of a take, but I like the way it's going um, because I'm starting to see this trend of, so it's witches, vampires, but it's a little bit more of a scientific take to it because they're looking at the blood more so it, it kind of it's kind of giving me hints of um underworld where they're looking at the blood and things yeah. like that yeah. um but what are your so before i go into it what what's your take about discovery which because i'm starting to gush over this too yeah so i was in i was instantly drawn into this one as well um 
a little less, not as excited as Motherland, but uh, but drawn mm-hmm. in into like a, a deeper thing because I could just tell that there was just some really deeper undertones to what this all was really about. And I love the fact that, again, it's one of those shows that is trying to base it in as much realism as it can. And so it's like, you know, you have this world that is par- running completely parallel, just like Underworld, to the human world, except the difference is that the there are people and players within the human world that know all about it. Mm-hmm. And so I find that that's really interesting because that creates, you know, obviously unique challenges in and of itself because now they can't just do everything in the shadows. There's people watching. Right. Um, and, and it's kind of a slow burn type of show. It's not one of those shows that immediately gives you all the answers and then it works through or backs out into, you know, going back and providing the context. It's like, a little answer here, context here, and then it really builds and builds and builds. Um, and so I just absolutely love season two. I did try to read the books, and I have to say that the, the, the point of view that the books are written in is not my favorite, so I had a really hard time getting into it. Mm-hmm. But I almost wish now that I did, because now I'm getting impatient. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's clear in season two that they got some budget. They got some money, mm-hmm. and now their budgets are <laughs> costumes, and the way that it's shot is just so much better than even season one. And I just, I wish I read the books, but yeah, that's my, that's my initial reaction to it. Yeah. I didn't know that it was a book ahead of time. And when I first saw it, it was a trailer and I thought it was talking about um, the history, like a documentary. So I thought, Oh, mm. I love documentary. Let me check this out. So it it was a delight to see that it wasn't and that it was a series. I'm just thinking, Oh, okay, let's see where, where this, this takes me. And I like the whole forbidden love thing. I just think it, I, I know it's a little cheesy sometimes and over, you know, exaggerated. We've seen this in different, you know, shows with vampires and witches right. and werewolves, but I still like, that forbidden love because it shows that especially if it's meant to be like something will happen and like they have to fight for what they believe in and it's a kind reminder that you know we do have to do that at the same time understand who we are so here we are with this where she's she kind of minded her business the main character she doesn't really want parts of this witchcraft like and and I'm trying to remember the, the beginning of season one like she knows she's a witch correct she just doesn't yeah she yeah yeah, she knows she's a witch um but oh damn now that you say that I don't really that's the one thing that I don't know if it was fully clear it's clear that she is someone who doesn't use any of her power right and and I also believe that she doesn't know just how strong she is yes okay so it's coming back to me her parents disguised her powers or something like that because right they they bound right to protect her so that that also reminds me about how we feel like we have to protect ourselves a lot of times even though her parents did it for her and she you know grew up with knowing that you know there, there are some things that she has power over but to realize her full potential I think is something that many of us can identify with it doesn't even have to be anything magical it just be our confidence our strength our willingness to speak up to live our truth so I I just think that was a cool uh, perspective uh, as opposed to just being so 
against it 100% and aggressive about it. She's just like, I, I, I know, but I really like my studies. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And the, I think the interesting part too is that when it, when it comes to the choices we make, so they made a choice to bind her, to hide her from, I don't from whoever. And cause that's the part I, I still a little fuzzy on, but they obviously didn't know what would happen to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like they made a choice with the assumption that they would always be able to be there, not knowing what the future could hold in terms of consequences. And so for us as, as you know, people in the real world, it's the same thing. You know, you never know what those outcomes truly will be in the end. And so, you know, when you make choices for other people in the sake of protecting them, and it's like a tale as old as time, every single show that I've ever seen where, you know, a parent or someone that cares about someone does something to protect them, the root, you know, what is that saying? Uh, is it the rooster comes to roost or something like that? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the roosters come home to, to roast or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah I know yeah. what you mean. Come home to roost. So it's like, basically in the end, you're gonna, the, the Pied Piper comes and you're still gonna pay um, because those choices took away somebody else's freedom. Mm-hmm. And especially if they don't know that that's what happened and neither does anyone else, you know, eventually holes are gonna get poked. Mm-hmm. And when enough holes get poked, you see through it and it's just, and, and then you have to deal with the fallout. But in this case, you know, you learn immediately in the season one is that her parents aren't around. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there was no one there to guide her when that hole became clear. Right. Her her aunts tried to help her, but th- th- there was still that resistance there. And, um, then you have this alluring, uh, you know, vampire who's, and it's so funny because he's almost like the stereotypical vampire where he's mysterious, he's slender, <laughs> you know, he, he has a slight accent, accent and he knows how to speak properly, you know, he's just very right. polished. Um, but I, I like him, but I still feel like he has not just one but two more agendas going on Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting how we see this play a part in so many movies and of course in our lives so i i am very interested to see where that goes like i I know we're in season two i hope that this doesn't get canceled and then i won't be depressed on my couch (laughs) wondering (laughs) why would they do this to me but uh i i love their dynamic i do want to see more of um the aunts because they play they do play a big role and i I would love to see uh a little bit more of their backstory i know there were some some flashbacks and things like that and i love that also their house is alive um (laughs) that's cool uh so um i i think that this is like we were saying not as fresh of a take as motherland but i like the growth of the main character and i like how she's at least acknowledging that she has power and she's starting to warm up to that as she goes along i I like that growth as opposed to um sort of the typical uh which they have where she's just running amok or she's Mm -hmm. just again aggressive like no i don't want nothing to do with it because it's all wrong it's like you just got to understand your gifts yeah, and I don't even think that the, the, honestly, the story isn't that, like you said, it's not really that new. It's kind of, kind of cliche in that way, but 
it is truly the character development. And also there are threads that they haven't showed us yet. Like there is clearly something going on that we don't like with that other, the other witch. Um, what's her name? Um, oh, Satu. Uh, yeah. Like Satu, like we don't really know what that's about yet. And so it's like, there's clearly something that happened or there's some convergence of some old something that is all coming into play. And so there's all these players that are raveled up in this, this thing, whatever it is, because we still don't know. And so that's the part that keeps me really coming back. And obviously, you know, I, I enjoy the acting, um, but it, it's definitely something where there's so much backstory here. And yeah. who knows if the books even go into all of it. And so that's where it's like, they definitely have some creative license to, to tell us what that backstory is because we still don't know why. Like, okay, well, why didn't Diana have her powers? You know, what did they really block it for? Cause they still didn't give a definitive answer. What, right. and then it's like, well, what do the aunties have to do with it? Cause clearly there's a lot more to that story that we just do not know. Mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah, it's really just how it unravels that has me hooked. And also just the cinematography and the costumes and mm -hmm. everything is just a complete draw for me. Yeah, I, I really think that, that that's what it is. The acting, like you said, the cinematography. Um, yeah, because they really only spent one episode. I remember this because uh, I remember when the parents bided her. They didn't really say what that guy wanted with her or, or with right. her powers, at least. But exactly. they were afraid enough that they hit it. So there's something there with him. Um, like, I don't know if he's just taking the witch's powers or what. Um, but yeah, so I'm very interested to see where that goes. And I, I just think that this show is just so great for the spiritual community because, you know, it's, it is kind of fun to look at the stereotypical, uh, the, the whole dynamic of the witch and the vampire, where is this going? Because it's sort of like with Lost Girl, you had the light fade, dark fade, and like the light, light, light fade stays with light fade, dark fade stays over there. And mm -hmm. here it is, they're like you said, slow burn is slowly developing a, a relationship. And now it's like, okay, now they're a little bit serious. And season two, he's like, this is my wife, but they're not really married yet. So she's like, who else thinks they were married? So you see certain things that are keeping you intrigued. Um, mm -hmm. I, I like that. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think this is important because it's a blend of, again, that stereotypical, you know, witch, vampire, but also that growth that happens and well why would someone want to protect that person to that point like why didn't they just leave you know so i i like that yeah and i think it, what's really cool too is that it's like we still don't really know like so all these ancient families are all vying for power but we still don't really know why like why mm -hmm. you know the de claremont family why you know why are they the ones that are in power why are they fighting so hard to keep it and there's things that we kind of like okay I guess I get it, but you still don't really know the true backstory about why it all even matters. You know, was there a war where they wiped out half of each other or, you know, whatever. And then that doesn't even touch on the book, right? So this mm -hmm. whole show is about a book. And I just have this feeling that when they find that damn book, it's going to be showing them that they're all, they've all been stupid this whole time. <laughs> and they just, right. you know, that they've all been on the same side the whole time. They're just a different version of that side. You know, it's like a three-sided mm -hmm. coin, basically. It's like, they're all going to be on the same side and they're going to be like, oh. And then, it, and then they'll have the choice of whether you want to stay with the status quo or do you want to accept that this status quo, quo uh, uh, the status quo was based on lies. 
or based right. on misinformation because they lost that book hundreds of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. The book of life, they lost it. So that, you know, and that's what a big part of this search for is like the thing is that's going to help us because the other part too is that they don't know the future of themselves because they don't have this book. Right. Right, exactly. And I agree agree with you. I'm wondering if it is something like that because where did this rift between vampires and witches start? And also you have these humans over here too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm very interested where, where that's going and 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 what it's actually gonna state in and how that will look going forward. Is it, you know, you guys were twins and then like one was a vampire, one was a witch and right. yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but exactly. I was I, I'm very curious about that. So yeah, that's to be determined. Season two is out. Um not the whole com- not I, I don't think it's the complete season two, right? I think yeah, we're halfway through because the mm-hmm. last I believe the last episode is going to be um the end the I think the last week of February. Okay. But right and now I, we just had um season episode five. Mm-hmm. Um and oh wait, that's actually episode five of seven. So the season oh, okay. finale is on the nineteenth of February. So it oh, is wow. right around the corner. That's right around the corner. Yes. Okay. So I, I know you can also get it on Shutter. Um it's a, a website that that streams off thriller, horror, suspenseful movie so because uh originally i saw like i was saying the, the trailer on tv and it's like through a, a different subscription service i'm like well you know what i'm just gonna get shutter and i have all the <laughs> thrillers uh, and stuff exactly. so in case someone's wondering where can i watch discovery of witches i, I think it's on sundance or something like that but anyway yep. shutters the, the website and you, you can get it there motherlands hulu uh, Chilling Adventures is on Netflix and Lost Girl. I don't know where you can find Lost Girl now. It was on Netflix. Um, yeah, so they I'm, took it off. I yeah. think it might be on Sci-Fi's app now. Mm, there you go. No, everybody go. Mother has a streaming service now. So <laughs> nice. Whew, what a great conversation. Yes, I love this. I love talking about these shows, and I have so many more that I could talk about for days. I mean, we could spend one episode talking about one show. I mean, we can like, you know, deep dive in these characters. But one thing I will say is it seems like the, the theme with and, and it just so happens to mean these four, even though I know we talked through the different shows, is that there is a strong female lead in these uh, shows. There's a strong sexuality liberation in these shows. There's a strong breaking barriers in these shows that, that I just absolutely adore. So I love that in their own way, in their own universes, they have that. So that that would be my overall um, takeaways from these shows and, and how they do such a great service in that way to the spiritual community. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, they, they are definitely, and the spiritual community is always looking, you know, within as well as looking outside of ourselves. And so these shows, all every single one of them balance that in some type of way. And, it, and it's through a different means and it's through different external factors, but it always comes down to choice and how you live your life on your terms. Because every single one of the characters in these, that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, screw the norms. I wanna live my life my way. And I think even more so now, in the world that we live in today, that is more relevant than ever before. Um, mm-hmm. Where you know the 
the lived experience of the individual is becoming more prominent? And then how does that lived experience of the individual fit into the whole? Um, and I love that all of these shows really touch and push the bounds of that. Absolutely, yes, thank you. Um, any final words? Um, you have not watched Motherland, you really need to do it because it's immediately going to grip you. It's super exciting and dramatic and all, all the fun things. Um, but otherwise, uh, Discovery of Witches. And oh, Sabrina still is in the comics. So even though part five will not be, potentially won't be on TV, it, part five is going to be done in the comic books. Mm, so okay. if you get to the end of part four and you're like, I really want to know what happened, part five will happen in the comic books. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Which war is part five? Mm. <sighs> All right, HBO, don't let us down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. I happen. mean, but <laughs> and, and they, they act so well too. I follow them on Instagram, the, the cast of Sabrina. They look like they get along very, very well. It looks like they are genuinely friends. Yeah, they have such um, good rapport with one another. Right, and I know uh, two of the actors are dating. The um, the actress who plays Roz, and um, so Ross Lynch, the, the actor who plays Harvey, and um, and Jazz and Claire who plays Roz, they're dating. So I mean, like, they're like they're having a great time there. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, Henri, this was such a pleasure. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to have spoken uh, with you about these shows and, and, you know, have your take. And I hope that uh, the listeners out there, you know, re- rewatch these shows if you haven't watched it in a while. Uh, if you haven't watched them, please take your time, get your, your drink, go get a snack. You will not be disappointed. So as always, I'm sending you so many blessings. I'm rooting for you. Remember to be kind to yourself. Until next time. As always, Spiritual Trailblazer, thank you for tuning in. Do make sure to stop by and visit me at tiamariejohnson.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe. Last but not least, be kind to yourself. I'm rooting for you, and I'm sending you so many blessings. Until next time.